You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. This is Hunter back with another installment of Bipolar Recorder. So glad to have you joining us today. I was able to get Alyssa back on the podcast, and we had a really interesting conversation that covered all sorts of different topics. You know, we talk about everything from electroconvulsive therapy to drug addiction to all sorts of other stuff, and it was a really great conversation. Um, We had a pretty lengthy section of the episode where we talked about the 12-step program. And even though Alyssa these days um, does use marijuana and alcohol in moderation, the 12-step program was still something that was very important to her in her life. So she spends a lot of time talking about that. Um, There were a couple of sections that I had to edit just because after we recorded, we decided that they were a little bit too personal, so she asked that I remove them from the show, which, as always, I'm I'm happy to do anytime an interviewee um, has something like that. I respect their wishes. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and get started. recording has just started and I am back here with Alyssa again thank you so much for coming back you're so welcome Hunter you sound great how are you feeling since the last time we recorded it's been a wild ride yeah on a scale of (coughs) one to ten today ten being the best how would you say you're feeling three three but I was like a one and a half yesterday. Ooh. So I woke up and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I feel great. Yeah, that's like twice as good. Yeah, like double. Um, <clears throat> it's just easier when you're not feeling shitty. Like your thoughts aren't as dark and <clears throat> self-attacking perhaps. I don't know. I don't know how your thought, I mean, this is me being um, partially unmedicated and uh, receiving weekly prefrontal electroconvulsive therapy treatments. Right. It's really intense. It's uh, under anesthesia every Wednesday, and it is at 6 a.m. in the morning, and it's super scary, but I'm out by like 9.30. Yeah, it's a fairly quick procedure, and you undergo that for major depressive disorder, which some people abbreviate as MDD, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, how are you feeling with that? You've been doing these treatments for a long time now, and we touched on it the first time you were on the show, but how effective would you say you feel that they are? I was very self-doubting yesterday with my... um 
overall bad mood and bad physical feeling um and uh so I got really like why am I doing this and just like questioning all this stuff it seems like so much I'm going through for some promise of a life I once knew yeah like I know how I am and how I was when I was little and who I am as a person right there's just been uh experiences that have damaged me and I definitely would say have undiagnosed PTSD from it okay and and undiagnosed anxiety disorder yeah um so which I self-medicate right and how do you self-medicate for that um well if I lived in DC it wouldn't be illegally and um, I guess it's not a crime anymore in Virginia. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, I use THC. And um, I did try CBD for a year almost. Yeah. And, um, because I did miss the um, act of, and I like, I don't know, I like everything about it. Kind of like how people who love coffee like everything about coffee, like, are you talking about the CBD or the THC? It, it, they're identical. You can't tell the difference visually. Oh, okay. So you mean like the actual flower bud? It's a, it's a chemical compound that's different. and But the buds of the marijuana plant, um, you can dry them and smoke them. And like people smoke tobacco leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the marijuana leaves don't get you um, any psychoactive effects or the CBD, and now it's pretty uh, widespread usage, like there's like CBD lotions at the drugstore, and I don't even know, but. Yeah, I I used to try using CBD. I used it in the liquid dropper form that you would like put under your tongue, and I don't know how effective I would say I thought it was. I didn't really notice a big change when I was on it, but obviously with THC, because it's so much more psychoactive, there there's a lot of cognitive impact there. Yeah, and there are people on both sides of the issue. Like, is it helpful? Is it harmful? And um, I'll just say it's the only drug that do- has never killed a person. Ever. THC? Yeah. Like on on from, its own, you mean? Not... From its chemical effects. You right. cannot overdose on it. Yeah, it's. I, I bet you probably the, no, could. No, it's no, no. It's the no. only drug where it cannot kill you. Even, let's say... You're just stoned out of your gourd. What if you there was... You just took like five uh, bomb or like a... Um, what, the, what do you, people used to do in the... Um, they'd fill a five gallon bucket with water like a a gravity bong a gravity bong take five gravity bongs and hit them and you're not gonna die you're not gonna die but you might pass out right what if like a one-ton bale of hemp fell on you and crushed you you could die that way or you could die while driving a car while stoned. No, but I, I know what you're saying. I'm just giving, I'm just saying marijuana is I'm not like 100%. I'm saying the phytochemical effects of it can, there is no LD50 of marijuana, yeah. THC. Can you tell the audience what LD50 stands for? 
stands for the lethal dose to kill a 50 gram person or like okay <laughs> which is about 100 pounds uh, i don't know okay please explain it better i actually don't know how okay. to explain it but well uh, yeah it means the lethal dose needed to kill a person okay and like so like let's just say fentanyl would be like not very much would be needed to to um, cause death, whereas with marijuana, it, there is not that risk. So there's not the risk of overdosing from it, but that doesn't mean you that it can't, can't have bad side effects. Yeah, it's very, it, I mean, it's illegal to drive and smoke. That's right. And um, <clears throat> you can be pulled over and treated. Charged with DUI and yeah. stuff. As you should be. I, I mean, driving under the influence is bad no matter Some what. Some people say it makes them more cautious drivers. So do alcoholics. But, yeah, <laughs> no, and there is a lot of, like, uh, old wives' tales around um, pot, I think, that need to spell in. It's hard, though. Um, as someone with a mental health disorder... Um, diagnosis you could go to both camps of psychiatrists and one would say absolutely nothing and other would say with within moderation or something or like go live your life yeah i've had psychiatrists tell me both things over the years <laughs> it seems like there's not a common consensus on it probably because there's just not a lot of research at this moment there's for, so much research but i mean specifically for there's but, so much if you want to sign i can talk to uh, to the audience about you can go to um the nih um national the, institutes of health yeah they have uh you sign up to be a volunteer for different types of studies. If you have a certain diagnosis, you could be like part of a the placebo group or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's helpful for like like studying psychological um, papers. I don't know what they. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just mentioning that because I had a psychiatrist once who was like, "There's not enough research done on bipolar disorder and marijuana." It's, it's so hard to like tell us um unspecifically about what happened to you and why i'm here it's hard to it's kind of like herding cats getting bipolar people together okay oh you mean like for the purposes of a study because it's difficult to find the participants for the research and to get them to keep going for the whole length of the study yeah because of the mood changes and motivation changes and stuff as soon as it gets boring and there's no more incentive i've been having trouble um getting guests to follow through on recording this podcast with me because it is kind of like herding cats sometimes because um we'll schedule things like a week in advance and people will be feeling great and they're like yeah i'm ready to go i want to do the show and then at the last minute they'll be like hey dude like i just got hit with the worst wave of depression and Mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to be able to record which i completely understand as someone who only deals with waves of depression i got hit with one this morning too before we started this and um you know it it does stop me in, in some parts of my life some aspects of my life like i'll let it stop me 
and other parts i've just learned to have to ride the wave yeah and show up anyways and no one can even tell i'm in a bad mood yeah to begin with because no one can read your mind sure and you were talking on the first episode that you did for your uh, bipolar recorder you were talking about how it takes a lot of energy to put on that happy face and that that's very taxing for you and i i can relate to what you're saying i i often have to do the same thing like when i'm at work or with a group of friends or whatever and i don't want to bring people down you know, you got to well, try. Well, it depends on what the ward- rewards of the social situation are. Like, no one wants to be the outcast. Right. Yeah. So how much energy you devote to each particular relationship kind of sometimes matters. Like, how you feel about that, like, hierarchy or whatever. Coworkers versus friends versus people you knew from school versus... yeah. Like the level of effort that you think yeah. it's worth for each situation. To catch up. I know that you, um, it's hard for um, those diagnosed with bipolar to maintain long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> without the drama that typically follows those diagnosed with bipolar, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've, witnessed the host of this podcast hunter keep in touch with his uh his friendships from college and interesting people he connected with over the years and still appreciates and i support that effort and Mm -hmm. i want to emulate it myself and how i i mean my friends are asking if i'm dead yeah you're literally yeah they're literally like and i still nothing because you were saying to me before we started recording that you're just not in a place right now where you feel ready to reach back out to people right as you were just saying it can be so taxing to put on that public persona versus private persona Mm -hmm. and um Yeah, I mean, they want to know, like, where the fuck have you been? Sorry, yeah. I mean, I can't. No, swear. yeah, you can swear. This is yeah. a very swearing-friendly show. But it's like, there are times when I doubt my own worth and the value I provide to other people via their relationship with me and just doubt any, yeah positive aspects I could possibly have on anyone around me has has that been harder during COVID has it made it even more difficult it's made it easier really to be a isolate yeah because it's like you have an excuse to Mm kind of just withdraw from things I'm being socially responsible by and it's so easy for me to yeah just me and my cat get along fine. We both sleep 23 and a half hours a day. No, <laughs> I wish. But, um, like... Well, you, you and, do sleep a lot, though, which is a symptom of depression. It is. And I noticed with this last ECT treatment, I had, like, the first night of insomnia I've had in years. Really? Yeah. 
is it do you think it's just because your brain was too stimulated or do you think it was a side it was just I kept tossing and turning all night like I couldn't get comfortable I was hot then I was cold then I was Mm. sweaty then I had a dream and I woke up and then I still felt like I didn't sleep and it was just all night like that like 5 30 6 30 yeah one of those mornings like you're like ugh, it's 2 30 I've definitely had chronic insomnia during periods of depression and during periods of mania. I it sucks. I never have it. Yeah, so it was, it was unusual for you. Out of this world. So I don't strange. know how people... Yeah, kudos to those with chronic insomnia. Oh, man, it, it's the worst. It, it drains you so much, and it, it makes your other symptoms so much worse, too. Let's talk about how long each of us have stayed up consistently um i think which is as dangerous as driving drunk oh yeah definitely driving while fatigued while extremely fatigued that's extremely dangerous um to answer your question when i say chronic insomnia i don't mean that i sleep for zero hours a night i mean that i sleep for like less than three hours and it's a restless sleep that um like you were describing, yeah, like tossing and turning. For the longest time, I would say probably about five or six consecutive days while manic, um, mm-hmm. maybe longer than that. And that's when that can cause psychosis too. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm asking about it. Yeah. How about you? Mm, mine was, I, th- I want it, I think I passed out at six and a half days. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was trying to make it to a week, and I couldn't. Were you intentionally trying to stay up? It was just this astrological constellation of events with schoolwork and projects due final week, and I just, in parties, and yeah, maybe not feeling like I had to sleep the first three days of it, and then I had to, like, run on fumes to get shit done yeah lots of environmental factors coming into play there and then when i would try to sleep i'd be in the middle of richmond and it's loud as fuck like Mm -hmm. i had blackout curtains earplugs like like, you name it probably headphones to sleep in downtown richmond virginia oh my goodness in a like eight like 18th century house yeah house. so it's like creaky and the walls are thin anyway and stuff infested with rodents ew no yeah that's the plumbing pretty, didn't work that doesn't sound like a comfortable place to sleep in there's one bathroom between the four of us oh my gosh you were living with uh three other people at the time three long-haired girls in a shower that did not catch hair oh my god ew it was always clogged oh gosh well i'm sorry that happened And it was the party house like i'd come back like so tired maybe and people would just be like raging and you could smell the rum walking up it was on the second floor of the row house yeah and you could smell it as you like ascended in the atmosphere Ugh. the sw- the booty sweat and rum Ew. stink <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i gotta say since i haven't drank in several years now i can almost immediately tell 
like if people have been drinking just from like the smell coming through the pores of their skin and stuff even if it's just been like one or two beers like i feel like i detect it so quickly these days you exhale five percent of what you drink i think oh really Mm -hmm. i would believe that and um you would probably smell the metabolites of it quicker than even maybe the liquor on the breath yeah have you noticed um to shift gears a little bit it's october right now at the time of this recording and i've been noticing a lot of people in our um social i don't even know what would you call dbsa a support group right for (laughs) bipolar and depressed people are are you seeing the changing of the seasons impact the mood of those around us yeah absolutely i'm that's definitely exactly what i'm getting at i've noticed a lot of people seem more depressed and irritable than winter yeah it's like this because it's the change you don't know what to do about it but it's coming and you can't stop it and they don't want it there's nothing you can do to uh change it i guess you could use a happy light yeah, people start getting like, oh, it's dark in the morning, it's cold, like the weather sucks. But yeah, I have to buy a new happy light. What I've done is actually uh, kind of made an indoor greenhouse in my bedroom, which may or may not be safe, but my therapist said that the grow lights are actually probably beneficial for me because they put out so many lumens. Mm-hmm which is all that really matters yeah lumens is like the brightness of the light and these are like happy lights are like 10 15 000 lumens yeah they and, call it lux and so just to explain again for people who missed the, the sun first is like time, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. right and a happy light is like a panel of white led lights They're that you very look small, at the, these days yeah and it's meant to emulate sunlight and kind of you have it indirectly pointed at your eyes as you're like reading a book or like the computer or whatever and just like 10 or 15 minutes and it tricks your brain into thinking it's summer basically yeah yeah and you've um said that you found those really helpful which is great yeah just getting my circadian rhythm on track is a huge hassle with me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Circadian rhythms are when your body thinks it's daylight versus nighttime, right? No, when I just always want it to be night and sleepy time. and Right. But I, I'm just saying like that's what circadian rhythms are. It's like the rhythm of your awake time and your <laughs> sleeping time. And it's a yeah, associated with day, day and night. I'm just for for the crowd who's listening. I, yeah. I'm Everyone who works a job all day indoors, like their circadian rhythms fucked up. Yeah, if you're stuck in an office all day and you don't have that natural sunlight and everything. That's why my home office um, faces right out the window so I can get nice natural light throughout the day. So that's nice. kind of helpful. Um, you wanted to switch gears a little, you said. Well, I, I definitely wanted to talk about the changing of the seasons and that we've been subjectively noticing in our social circles people getting more irritable bleh, irritable, and depressed. So that's been kind of a recent collective change, I think. Um, I also wanted to talk to you. 
You very briefly mentioned last time you were on, you mentioned uh, partial hospitalization. I was wondering if you might want to talk a little bit about what that is and also um, intensive outpatient programs, because I know you've done both. And I was wondering, um, first of all, what is the difference between partial hospitalization and intensive outpatient, aka IOP? Um, and has it been helpful for you? Can you tell me the different de designations for psychologist counsel counselors that you would find in a typical HMO or healthcare or like or just even private? What what is their license they hold? There's the LCSWs, the licensed clinical social workers, and then there's the P. Why, like, psych grads, I guess? I don't I'm Googling it right <laughs> now, and let's this see. This is just the type of people you would run into if you are interested in maybe you might need an intensive outpatient program, which is IOP, and that is um, <clears throat> nine hours of a really intensive guided therapy in a group uh, per week, three hours, three times a week in the mornings, nine to 12. It's supposed to kickstart your circadian rhythm and get you back into the workforce, basically. Because most people who wind up in those are not waking up at 9 a.m. They are waking up at 11, 11.30. Yeah. 2.30, you know. Marching to the beat of their own drum. 4.30, you know. Yeah. We know some people like. <laughs> so I, yeah, we do. And um, I just pulled it up. So let me read from this website. Uh, Partial Hospitalization Program, PHP. It says it allows patients to spend the night at home and spend the day receiving treatment at a safe nurturing facility. <laughs> Patients often dedicate a good portion of the week to receiving personalized evidence-based care. And then for IOP, it hey, says that- can you stop for a second? I asked you to figure out what licensed therapists hold. Oh, you mean a, oh, I'm sorry. I, I missed that question while I was pulling up this information on Google. I'll so, explain that better. There's different types of licenses that therapists hold. Uh, one example would be an LCSW, which is Licensed Clinical Social Worker, mm -hmm. I believe. That's like one of the lower level no, certifications. They're, they're equal. They're, they're actually not. Um, there well, are that's higher... how little I know, so it, maybe okay. you should explain it, because I only really see LCSWs. Yeah, so licensed clinical social workers go through a master's program, um, and then you've got like psychologists who can also be therapists, and they go through PH, P, or PhD or PsyD programs, which is a higher, much higher level of education i've only ever seen a psyd and i thought it was undergraduate no no it's a doctorate of psychology it's a doctorate yeah what's it is there an undergraduate of psychology therapy N no so like is, i is there undergrad psychology and is there any license or like certificate you could hold 
Not that I'm aware of. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, but I'm not a therapist or counselor, and I don't believe that there's undergraduate programs that result in a certification to treat patients. So, as far as through, I'm aware, through um, the De- Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, DBSA. Yes, uh, it's dbsalliance.org. Mm-hmm. You can. Um, there is a a way to become a peer support counselor um, or a peer specialist. That's a lot different. I know though. it's a lot different, but yeah. I'm just saying what kind of like things could you hold in auxiliary that would help you if you wanted to be like some type of like person, like public advocate, maybe. I don't know. Well, or someone who like you can't see clients per se, but well, you can be a peer support specialist right but there's a really key difference there yeah, between you're being as a, a peer, peer. I, i'm just trying to answer your question so being like a peer support specialist isn't the same as being a licensed counselor i know that i know i i'm, I'm just explaining okay. um for the audience so there's different levels uh being a peer support counselor is definitely something that people can do there's like a certain number of hours that you have to do i think supervised uh peer support activities and then eventually you can get a license to work um sometimes for like local governments or nonprofit organizations or volunteer organizations but that's a lot different than holding like an um, licensed clinical social worker degree or certification or, of course, a Ph.D., PsyD, or M.D. Okay, so let's just approach this from my angle. Okay. So I have a job that has no, uh, let's say, uh, paid sick leave. Mm-hmm. I have no health care. I, I do have social security interesting interesting which i pay like eight dollars i don't know no they take way more (laughs) one year i didn't pay it and it was like three thousand dollars at tax time oh really yeah you 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 had to pay the irs for that yeah i don't know because i was a 1099 employee a contractor yeah yeah which i feel like people with mental illness know all about being a 1099 being independent contractors or just like scrounging a way to get money to buy like sometimes just medication or well, therapy being an independent contractor applies to all sorts of different levels of <clears throat> careers and jobs yeah, so i would have no like maternity but i have a really right nice so boss. okay so okay no let, and then let me say sorry that um I got Obamacare, and now I have what the plan I picked tells me is my therapist. Okay, I just want to clarify really quickly, though. So for 1099 contractors, which is a type of employment status in the United States, I'm just explaining for the audience, um, typically those types of positions do not have full health coverage benefits. So that's what Alyssa's talking about. And then um, Obamacare, healthcare.gov, mm-hmm. they now offer dental. Really? 
So yeah. you can get health insurance and dental insurance. Um, I was on Obamacare when I was unemployed due to COVID for a while, and I was actually surprised. I got pretty good benefits through it. They're certainly not free benefits. I still had to pay like $200 a month for the coverage, I think. But it, I was surprised at the um, quality of like coverage I had for different medications and stuff like that. So um, yeah, the, the Affordable Care Act slash Obamacare um, really helped me out during that time. I was unemployed for almost a year, so I didn't have insurance coverage through an employer. So that was really important. And if people don't have health insurance, that's something they should look into. Can I just really quickly get back to the difference between um, partial hospitalization and IOP, just since we brought it up? I just want to read what's on here so, because we were it, it, discussing it earlier. It's 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. Okay, but so just... Monday through Friday. Just hear me out on this, Okay. okay. So I, um, there's different schedules and stuff. No, there like, isn't. Okay, so there's like one standard schedule typically. Yes. Um, partial hospitalization program. PHP, partial hospitalization program, allows patients to spend the night at home and spend the day receiving treatment at a safe, nurturing facility. Patients often dedicate a good portion of the week to receiving personalized, evidence-based care. Intensive Outpatient Programs, IOP, is similar to a PHP in that patients receive treatment during the day and return home at night. IOPs tend to have shorter hours than PHP, so they're ideal for patients who are transitioning back into everyday life, work, and family commitments. What I said. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure that I, that I was being correct on that because... Um, you are very correct on that. And I will just say that um, PHP is roughly 25 hours a week. It can okay. have an, a PM schedule for those who have like morning commitments. Mm -hmm. Not very often, I don't think. But And then IOP is nine hours a week. And it is a crapshoot what therapy or therapeutic approach they're gonna uh, approach you with. Like um, cognitive behavioral versus dialectical versus whatever. Versus rational, emotive, ther social therapy, I think, versus like identity role, I don't know. Yeah, so there, you're There's saying it's- There's so many different approaches. Yeah, and it's a crapshoot as far as what type of particular modality of treatment or of therapy that you would receive at an IOP program, right? I've pretty much been thrown the Feeling Good Handbook by David Burns. Okay. Here's CBT. Read it. Learn it. Because you've done IOP programs multiple times, so that's why I wanted to ask you about it, because you've got experience with them. PHP after I was in okay I did inpatient for three days inpatient treatment at a psychiatric facility yes 
and that scared the shit out of me that's the type where you can't leave and you're you're fully Mm. in the hospital for for i couldn't have you know camisole tops i couldn't have bras yeah i couldn't have and i was like a teenage girl so i was all about like makeup and like and they're like no mascara no nothing no shoelaces no shoelaces no ties on your shirt no no paper can, <laughs> like can i can i ask you a personal question did they like strip search you when you went into that yeah yeah. Did they look up your butt? <laughs> Sorry, I asked that. <laughs> when I went into the hospital, they didn't look they in didn't. my vagina. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It sounds so. There's different types of protocols for different hospitals as far as how they do that. And at the and one, I don't I, want to mention the name of. It's a very notorious one in the Northern Virginia area, but I won't mention it. Okay. But I'm sure a lot of listeners have probably had experience with it over the years. Yeah, so there's some where they, like, strip search you, and then, like, for me, I think they let me just change into a hospital gown, and I had to give them my quote-unquote street clothes, as they call it, at those types of facilities. Yeah, I packed a bag, and they, like, wouldn't let me take anything. Yeah, it it sounds like being, like, strip searched to go into a hospital, it, it, it must be so traumatic. It was more the bars on the window, as I would look out at the traffic of, like, Annandale Road or whatever, some Northern Virginia piece of shit area. Mm-hmm. And just so ugly outside and dreary and just so depressed. But I'm like, I want out of here so fucking bad. Yeah. It feels like being in jail. Yeah. And I did it to myself. Yeah, you were on a voluntary uh, commitment, right? You had chosen to go there. Five, about six months after that, I totaled a all-terrain vehicle and shattered every window in it Mm -hmm. it rolled a lot maybe they don't know okay but um they found an empty bottle of alcohol just like nicely placed in the trunk okay because i would just keep empty bottles of liquor with me because i drank all the time yeah as a teenager I was a bad kid, mm-hmm. and um, it's a, I don't know if COVID has brought you closer to your family or friends or whatever, but... Uh, what does the <clears throat> rolling the vehicle, how does that connect to the um, hospitalization experience that you had? Or were you just kind of changing subjects into moving forward? I needed way more intensive therapy than I received there. Got it. And it was such a horrible experience. It was like a punishment. Yeah. And I was afraid until I think it was like five years later that I started medication like from a doctor yeah they they gave you meds at the hospital and then you got they didn't even give you medication there Mm -mm. wow i was under observation oh okay 
Yeah, and so you got out, and unfortunately, the, that dangerous behavior. And I just behavior. went buck wild. Yeah. I, like, almost didn't graduate um, high school as a senior. Wow. They were going to, like, flunk me out of the 12th grade for not showing up. True yeah. Truancy, I guess. And I was just so exhausted every day after high school that I would just sleep until the next day. Mm-hmm. And then I just was not ready to go to Virginia Tech for engineering. So I did a summer program. It was like a pre-engineering program for a month or whatever. And I just like invited my friends down and went to the new river, river gorge and went whitewater rafting. That's and a beautiful area. It is. It was great. It was a great time. So the New River is a long river um, mm-hmm. in West Virginia and Virginia and it probably flows through other states too. I think it's one of the only ones that goes like a different direction or something. I don't but know. point being it's a gorgeous beautiful. absolutely It's a great beautiful. way to not take your engineering pre-college prep course seriously yeah so you had some distractions while you were doing the prep course it sounds like I needed intensive psychological treatment like I hadn't even heard of CBT cognitive behavioral therapy at that point I was still cutting I was burning myself with cigarettes I was taking I was taking deadly amounts of drugs. I was self-medicating. I was drinking to feel better. I was drinking to be more social. I was drinking to go to sleep. I was using it as a tool to control my moods Mm -hmm. without medication. Yeah. I, I was in a very similar situation for a number of years myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, you're using street drugs to treat a mood disorder. It yeah. does not work out, and a lot of people die. My sister's ex died. Wow. And now there's the Chris Atwood Foundation that um, they'll give you free Narcan if you need it in your household, you know, just in case. For you have a, overdoses? Well, no, unless, yeah, unless you have, like... It's useful because you never know, like, who's on opiates these days. Yeah. And um, people can just take too much hydrocodone from the doctor by accident, probably. Yeah. And the opioid epidemic in America is tremendous right now. It's like, it is scary. affecting, like, they tens and tens fentanyl of fentanyl to make heroin now yeah it's affecting tens and tens of thousands of people it's one of the number one killers in america right now so it's it's no fucking joke yeah i mean i'm i'm so awful i'm like go hippie go all natural what do you mean like Um, keep it organic keep it organic grow your own mushies <laughs> you know have shrooms a, marijuana a, yeah psilocybin yeah grow your own did you uh used to take a lot of shrooms when you were in school or in your 20s or whatever i had a i mean i had a a, a, a few very positive experiences with lsd and ecstasy mm-hmm um, I think in the reverse order. So like, 
first I think I was like 16 at my um, childhood best friend's like 200 year old Charlottesville farm. Wow. It was so scary in there, like really legit afraid of ghosts, like oh my gosh. so creaky. But we would just lay in the field at 2 a.m. looking at the stars. And I mean, I've seen shooting stars. Mm-hmm. I see them all the time. Yeah. I've seen a star die, which is super rare. Yeah. You saw like the flash of a supernova. Wow, that must have been amazing. Not really, because it's kind of small. And then it's just gone. Still a rare occurrence, though. They say every time a human is born, a new star is created. And every time someone dies, their star goes out. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Could be metaphysically true. We'll never know. Um, Probably. On the topic of psychedelics, just since it came up, I when I was in college, um, I was a big fan of LSD. Um, had some very, very cool experiences on it, very um, spiritual experiences. And I thought that it was help treating my depression at the time, but, you know, it's like, I think when you're on drugs like that, like when you're actively tripping, it it feels so spiritual and crazy. And you do take some of those lessons back into your day-to-day life. But at the same time, it's not really moving you forward in a sense. Um, But I guess it it can be very therapeutic. But I don't think, like what I'm saying is I wouldn't Do you think it was overall beneficial? I, I think that their experience- Or negative. I think it was beneficial overall, but I think that I did too much of it. I I would trip like at some points almost every weekend, and I think so that was too much. So you're just taking every little neurotransmitter emitter that you own in your brain and being like squeeze like a lemon and just flood your so blood much brain. serotonin oh and my dopamine. Gosh. just just cough it up guys yeah i did um until you don't have any more right and you hit depression and you're using it to fight depression i've, I've heard about and that with it's a vicious MDMA, circle for sure um, yeah, I mean, I um, I also did shrooms. I did DMT. Um, I did Molly slash MDMA a few times. I wasn't the biggest fan of MDMA. Like, I didn't hate it, but I, it wasn't like one of those things that I, I kept coming back to a lot. Well, and you th- weren't with me. <laughs> <laughs> you would have had fun with me. I, I bet. But um, I, I was using... I was using too much of that stuff in those days. And and you're just lucky it wasn't laced with fentanyl. Yeah. Because no one had Narcan back then. Yeah. You would have died. Yeah. And I mean, there was also a lot of what my friends and I used to call Chinese acid, which is like 25I and 2CB and stuff like that, which is basically fake acid <laughs> that makes you trip. But like no it's one... Called, um a designer drug it's yeah part of these designer drugs that they manufacture over and 
who the fuck knows yeah, where China like, and it's so toxic for you and so bad for your brain. There's no way it was good and it's for a my brain. Dirty trip. It's yeah. gritty. It's not even fun. Very uncomfortable. It tastes like battery acid. And then you throw up battery acid probably. Yeah, it's so gross. But with LSD, it's a completely different story. Very clear headed, very lucid. At least at the doses I was using it at. Um, Very, very interesting um, mental and... Visuals. Like crazy, beautiful visuals and really interesting thoughts and feelings and things. Um, I think think that um, I could have gotten the same amount of learning experience from ACID with just maybe doing it like five times over the course of a few years rather than doing it like 30 times over the course of like you know like maybe two we or three years legalize and legislate drugs yeah and require them like vaccinations psychoactive <laughs> vaccinations require people to trip yeah no it brings people closer i swear to goodness it definitely made me realize like the power We're of all love equal, man. and like everything There's is interconnected. No yeah. yeah. Everyone's my brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, but I, I, I it was I mean, also anything a, that spurs empathy in people, especially as they're growing, like that. That's great. I, I was doing all of that during a time in my life where I was very depressed and I should have been on proper medications from it, but I was self-medicating with those drugs. So I wonder what it would be like now, now that I'm stable and at baseline, I wonder what the experience would be like. Because I, I remember a lot of times after taking acid, I would have like these beautiful spiritual trips and then I would feel kind of depressed for the following days after it. And I kept wanting to, I'm not saying I was like addicted to LSD or anything, but I kept wanting to explore those experiences further. You can say that you flooded your brain with serotonin and dopamine and then you had a drought the days following Yeah. where your brain was trying to make up the deficit. Yeah, it, it was just such a different time in my life. I was in such a different mental place in Uh in those days and um it's been it's been a number of years since i've lost realizations would be different yeah exactly i've been kind of curious um i'm not saying i I would go out and do this right now but um i i would be curious to like (laughs) use mushrooms it's so funny you're the bipolar one but i'm the like add af one you're you're saying like oh yeah i won't like actually do it i'm like let's hop in the car and go to dc i promise you we will find some lsd (laughs) yeah decriminalized right and legal Uh, um i think psilocybin is now decriminalized in washington dc not good enough I, i want l lysergic acid lysergic i want lysergic acid please (laughs) i um i prefer lsd to psilocybin i've never had dmt and it's like dmt is too crazy i don't know that 
Yeah, no, I'm not saying that I, I like, don't want you. You choose you your life. Have you had it? Yes. What do you mean too crazy? I mean that on a DMT trip, there's like... Well, a, I expect everything to go to shit. Like... Well, let me just like, okay, answer your... <laughs> yeah. To, to answer your question, the thing with the DMT is like... Whereas with LSD and psilocybin and stuff, it yeah, it comes in waves. It's a more controllable experience in some senses. It's more clear-headed. And then you have DMT, which is, I believe, the most powerful psychedelic drug currently known. And it is like you are transported to a different fucking dimension. There are the craziest visuals you'll ever see, like spiraling all around you. It feels. I've seen them all though. Uh, DMT is just next level. Mm-hmm. It, it's. You've never tried I've DMT. I've had the dreams. How would you know? I know. My dreams are very realistic. I. I'm sure they are. DMT might be a different type of dream Mm -hmm. for you, though. I'm a visual artist. Maybe you would have a super, super, super hard DMT experience. uh, Imagination or everything. Okay. Yeah, I feel as though it would. Like I always hear, like from drug counselors, people who are. Can we, uh, is it okay to tell the audience that you've been through, like, intensive drug rehab programs and stuff in your life now? Is is that okay to share that? It was dual diagnosis. Right, and for, like, drug addict, like, substance abuse and and also... mental health disorders. Right. So there was, like, some with anxiety, some with, like, had sexual trauma in their past and... Others were, like, just awkward. And that was, like, at an inpatient kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of battered women brought uh, together. That's so sad. I was brought from an... Uh, that's why I was there. Because mm-hmm. I was in an abusive... An abusive relationship. Yeah. And... So there were a lot of different things that brought you there. And the... The substance abuse component was just part of it. It came hand in hand because he was a drug dealer in Reston. Okay. Reston, Virginia, located in Northern Virginia. Yes. uh, Near the D.C. area. The first planned community in the United States of America. Reston is the first planned community. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting trivia. Um, so, so what, this guy was a dealer and you were dating him and he had gone to my high school. He was, I believe a year or two older, like he got kicked out to Herndon high, which is, um, we would, you know, the ghetto high school, quote unquote ghetto by Northern Virginia terms. Hey, this is Hunter. Just a quick note, this is one of the sections that we decided to remove because it was a little bit too personal in terms of subject matter. Let's just skip ahead just a little bit in the interview, and we'll continue from there. You're very big on the (laughs) 12-step program, and I'm very not big on it. That's a difference between us. Um, How would you say the 12-step program has helped you? What have you taken from it, and what have you left from it? So, 
I got indoctrinated one summer into the Alcoholics Anonymous fellowship. Was that at the inpatient rehabilitation center you were at? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Where that was part of their model. And um, these were women who used meth, almost died, died multiple times. From overdoses. Yeah, were brought back to life, you know. Resuscitated and, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, like, very, very severe. Getting beaten, selling themselves for drugs. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst of the worst, no self-esteem. Everyone was a chain smoker. Mm -hmm. But everyone was just so fucking funny. Like, I get why... A beautiful, strong, independent females get beaten down by the society we live in with all this male hierarchy and the drugs and alcohol and unequal work system. And I feel like we're getting replaced by robots soon, probably, like all people are. And um, then they'll rule the world no um and fix all their problems because robots are smart so let's get back to 12 step yeah uh (laughs) the first thing not that what you just said wasn't very interesting but what you can do is go to aa.org okay and you will find a link that says find a local group and you click on that enter your Zip, zip code, code yeah. your city, state, and you'll find many meetings around you that you had no idea were going on, and a lot of them are very good meetings frequented by very strong, spiritually rock-solid individuals that have like an epic sense of humor that can only be gained by losing one's life already succumbing to drugs and alcohol and then recovering no having had lost or like having died before oh like a near-death experience brought back to life yeah probably gives you some more perspective on things and Uh, that's um kind of the third step of the program is you have to make a decision to live this, come to this new life, accept this new life, accept that there is more out there than we understand. Yeah. Yep. And um, it seems to follow some orders. The first thing I would do suggest is just drop by a meeting if it's in a, you know, church basement or something, I don't bring a mask, be vaccinated, but they will gladly give you um, the free basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous with the um, editor. The big <laughs> the, book. The, the big book, the author's note and the epilogue, and it is the Bible for the, alcoholics. The AA Bible, meaning... The uh, big book, we just took a quick Google search on it, written by a guy named Bill W., I believe. 
I believe it's Bill Watson. Okay. And I believe he's, he was a traveling salesman, I think, and just the worst of the worst. Like a really hardcore alcoholic. Gonna die alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. And this was back in like the 1930s, right? 30s into 40s, yeah. Okay. And um, he had, as a lot of um, people do, a spiritual awakening where, you know, some people say, God spoke to me, or just like I had a revelation. Yeah. Or as we were talking about, like, that acid trip really made me think of things differently. (laughs) But he had a spiritual experience that, um, where he just accepts God's will for him and humanity and asks for what courage to carry that will out or something. Okay. Just. They're kind of like. Hold on, wait. Okay. I mean, you know this stuff way better than I do, so. Okay, step one, admitted we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. You have to truly believe that. Two, we made a searching, we... You know, it's okay. You don't (laughs) have to repeat it word for word. We admitted we were wrong and... Please help me. Three. So one of the one of the effects of ECT is short term memory loss, and it can even though Alyssa knows this, is this stuff programmed into my soul right. psyche. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to ourselves uh, another human being and our higher power the exact nature of our wrongs would you please say the 12 steps yeah let me read through it right now so they're very important yeah um i just pulled it up on google um like i said Alyssa's is a lot more familiar with the 12-step program than i am but here, here are the 12 steps, and this is the abridged version, but one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Hey, wait, and that can be interjected to we, our With life. any drug, with any drug. Um, any addiction. Any type of addiction. Okay. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made That's a decision. That's so funny, I forgot that part. Okay, go on. <laughs> Uh, uh, three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him five admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings 
eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Mm-hmm. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to, to do mm-hmm. so would injure them or others. Mm-hmm. 10 continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, mm-hmm. praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Mm-hmm. And the final step, 12, is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to be alcoholic or I'm sorry, we tried to carry the message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So those are the 12 steps. And they are a big deal. Yeah, they're they're very important and they're very helpful to lots of people, let's be clear. And um, there is um, something called the sponsor-sponsee relationship. It is explained in the big book. If you do ever have a chance, just, you know, curious. Because he, he was also diagnosed with a mental illness, I believe, the uh, founder, Bill W. And there's so many case studies in the original text. I believe he was a traveling doctor or something. You and said earlier he was a traveling salesman, and now you're saying he was a traveling doctor, so... I, I think he's Dr. Bill W. I mean, this is just my ECT memory. <laughs> you know, little yeah. flicks. E- ECT makes it hard to remember certain things. But if you want to keep talking, I can pull it up. If you want to, why don't we focus on what you've gained from those 12 steps and um, for you personally, what's helped you from them? And I'll pull up this guy's is, full um, story while you're doing that. It is also such an excellent cure for social anxiety and agoraphobia and any sort of uh, social <laughs> insecurity that one might feel, especially and attending an AA meeting virtually or in person. Um, there are bound to be i'd i'd say three like 75 percent of the people there have been diagnosed with a mental illness at some point in their lives and if not they know someone personally who has been with a uh, serious mental illness or an smi as they like to call it which is usually bipolar one with psychotic features, major depressive disorder, recurrent with psychotic features. Okay, so um, I I was just reading up on Bill W. while you were speaking, so... He's I, like the hero of it. Yeah, so... Um, Here's the whole thing with the name. His his full name was William Griffith Wilson. He went by Bill Wilson or Bill W, and he was the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just with skim- the doctor. With the, with the doctor, I guess, who he met at a rehabilitation center in the 1930s. 
and I guess those guys co-founded it or something. Yeah, they're I, like, why can't either of us figure this out? I just skimmed the Wikipedia page, so I, this is not a very thorough What was breakdown. the doctor's name again? William Duncan Silkworth? Does yeah. that sound Dr. right? Dr. Silkworth. Dr. Biller William Silkworth. Okay. So, yeah, so this is like old school kind of philosophy that has carried over for now well over 80 years it's a long-standing tradition it's often referred to as one of the uh, most common treatments for addiction years. yeah it's I, I guess you're right yeah 1930s and now it's the 2020s so yeah um, and i think these ideas were in the works before the book was made yeah yeah, so it's an interesting system. It helps a whole lot of people. They were treated back then with ECT. Yeah. They ECT. talk all about it in the book. Really? They go very in-depth to the psychiatric processes that faced a lot of these people getting sent away, mm-hmm. being committed. Was there anything uh, you were saying while I was looking that up that you would like me to respond to or anything else that you'd like to share? Because I was just reading through the Wikipedia page as you were um, explaining your experiences with AA. AA, it is uh, founded on a system based on anonymity, anonymity and respect and equal everyone has an equal say like sure there is a meeting leader but like everyone has a position like people do chores service work is very important in AA yeah volunteering yeah and so and um it 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 can sometimes be like herding cats certain meetings but others are very they just naturally flow and for you the 12-step program kind of extends beyond just drug addiction because i was forced to get a sponsor you you still go through the steps you you still still drink yeah like i feel as though i completed step 12 right but you don't drink excessively just to be clear like you you're you normally drink in moderation um around you so for you it, what was your drug of choice was it alcohol or was it something else it vodka. now i can't even drink vodka or smell it so your drug of choice was alcohol and um <clears throat> i mean i was introduced to thc when i was 13 i was introduced to alcohol when i was 12 i was introduced to Adderall when I was 17 and MDMA when I was 16. So how do you integrate the 12 steps with the fact that you still use alcohol? What I just like, I frown at myself in the mirror as I, no. Well, so let's, <laughs> yeah, let, let's put it this way. It's still something that you're actively working on and that you're using the 12 steps to. Con- I'll say that there are a lot of people who drop out of the program because they have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder i hate calling it a disorder disease ailment a mental health situation (laughs) um 
and they get driven out because there's this no pharmaceutical approach, no medicine approach sometimes. A lot of old timers, like, you got to go cold turkey. Old timers are kind of like the colloquial term for AA guys who have been in the program for like decades, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, very stable members of not just AA, but of society, their neighborhood, their place of business like they built their lives back up from nothing mm-hmm. and that's the most powerful part of AA like seeing people who were like living in gutters mm-hmm. and now they run businesses or whatever yeah. or teach children or just completely change their lives around and that's like the person but it's all don't ever say your last name in AA mm-hmm. like hi my name is Alyssa T and I am an alcoholic and addict. Yeah, there's like and an etiquette say, to it. Hi Alyssa or hey Alyssa T. Yeah. Yeah, so um 12 step system works well for a lot of people. I think we've gotten into it uh pretty extensively. It sounds like you've drawn different lessons from it. Um you you still use alcohol in moderation but for you the teachings kind of extend just beyond um i'm not using alcohol to make myself act better you're not self-medicating with it you're not abusing it so maybe to relax now instead of to make me more social or make me funnier or like some weird thing like that so for you it's been more of like harm reduction rather than total abstinence yeah at least that's how you've personally incorporated it it's been a way for harm reduction if i can get under a drink a day like kudos yeah and that's great and I try to reward myself for the days that I don't drink and be proud of that and but I would like to like I do miss being a part of the program and especially like I had a sponsee and I was teaching her so you were totally sober at that time yes okay and then I started CBD okay and then I got kicked out of Oxford for it. Um, Oxford House, which is a sober living community in Northern Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. It, All of Virginia. Uh, oh, okay. So it's statewide. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's nationwide, too. Oh, nationwide. Wow. And um, so that was a sober living house that you were in for a period for of women. time. For women. And you used CBD, which is the non-psychoactive form of marijuana. It mm-hmm. c- comes from hemp. My and thought process was this 55-year-old woman chain smokes 17 cigarettes on the front porch. Yeah. You know, why can't I smoke one joint? Of CBD. Of CBD. Right. Yeah, like one cigarette, one rolled equivalent. And they kicked you out for that? Did they, like, drug test you or something? Or just someone... My esteem was so low. 
I just felt so bad that I lied to them Mm -hmm. and tried to hide it. Okay. And um, even though it wasn't technically a rule that I could get kicked out on, I willingly left. Okay. And that's just a history of me making bad decisions for myself, which comes with mood shifts shifting moods shifting self-esteem that cycle of depression overwhelming moods right and emotions right okay um this has been a really really deep conversation that's gone a lot of different ways um i do have a uh, list here of other topics if you want to take a quick look um, just before we wrap up, if there's anything on there, because we, we spent a lot of time talking about um, drug addiction. So I, I just wanted to kind of move back to depression. What do you do to lower your depression and irritation levels um, proactively in your daily life, Hunter? Uh, that's a question for me. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to answer it, Alyssa. Well, for me, creativity is extremely important. Um, I play guitar. I'm a musician. So I, I like to try to focus on those things when I'm having negative thoughts. If I have the energy to work on a creative project, then that's awesome. That helps keep my mind on the rails. Um, I would say artistic output is probably the number one thing. And working on Moonlight projects, you know, stuff beyond my day job that keeps me occupied. My day job also does provide a lot of really important structure to my life. So that's important. I will attest. (laughs) I saw you before it, and you were losing your head. (laughs) When Alyssa and I first met, I was unemployed due to COVID. And then uh, after a few months of us dating, I found a a full-time job. And then I got back into that more structured schedule. Um, So that helps keep me feeling productive too. That's something I proactively do. I really pride myself on the work that I do both at my day job and for these like moonlight endeavors, as I try to call them sometimes. How are you keeping your body physically healthy? Oh, man. Well, and all the health care that goes into that. It's a interesting question because I used to be extremely physically healthy. And then after about a year ago, I got diagnosed with hyperthyroidism, which totally killed my energy levels and I totally got out of the uh, routine of working out consistently. So physical health is extremely important and that's something that I've been neglecting over the last year or so. I've been thinking about getting back into Pilates, uh, which is a really, really great workout and it's easy because you can just do it on a yoga mat in your own house or apartment. Um, So that's something that I've really been procrastinating on and I need to get back into. Um, I do try to eat uh, consistently, mm-hmm. uh, trying to keep my like blood sugar lo- levels. What did you just get in the mail today? Um, oh, yeah. So, like, I, I drink uh, protein shakes sometimes because I have difficulty eating. Well, uh, you supplement your nutrition with extra good 
Yeah, with like, you know, uh, nutritional shakes and stuff like that. I try to eat three meals a day. Um, my therapist has told me that this is super important because of blood sugar levels and things like that, because that can lead to mood swings. So I try to eat as healthy as I can. I take Adderall, so that lowers appetite a lot. So that can make it tricky to eat. So that's why I have incorporated like smoothies and stuff into my diet, Mm -hmm. because it's almost like a cheat meal. Like you can just crush a smoothie in like two seconds. There are certain um, stimulating medications that can make it feel a little like a chore to eat. So um, Hunter is supplementing with protein goodness muscle milk gainer yep is what i drink probably has all sorts of shit in it and you can't use that for every meal of the day at least one of them a day um yeah i you know i i can't use that for every meal though so i do have to do have to eat normal food as well i my next endeavor um on top of social life is physical life yeah Um, we've been talking about physical exertion life yeah as in i also was able in the past to be able to run 10 miles nonstop and bike way further on mountain trails and yeah um now i feel like a little weakling yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of me mirroring how I feel about myself. I know it. I don't feel good enough to deserve to work out. And that's depress- That's depression talking. Yeah, that's the, the depression in your head talking to you. Telling you you can't achieve things. Yeah, so if... um. If any viewers definitely have questions. Any for listeners. Me, or sorry, any any potters. <laughs> any pod podcast. E, pod E's, pod recipients. Podcast um, enthusiasts. Yeah, have any questions regarding mental health and uh, any spectrum of the, you know, from before diagnosis to all the different various treatments for all the different various disorders that are out there that have psychoactive and some biological components. Um, Low blood sugar, as Hunter mentioned, is a huge one that people with mood disorders should definitely be on top of uh, light, dark, sleep-wake cycles. Circadian cycles. I mean, that can be a little too much for, like, people to say, but, you know, just, like, get enough sunlight. Mm -hmm. Get an hour a day somehow without a window because most windows have UV filters in them these days. Okay. Um, Like, open the fucking window or something, and just the ambient light is... Or just sit out there for, like, four breaks yeah sit outside get some fresh air try to get some natural sunlight um 
If you have addiction issues, consider checking out AA, or if you're like me, um, I enjoy Smart Recovery, which is an alternative to AA that's been really helpful. Maybe Maybe I can get into that in a later episode or something. Um, What what other tools have we talked about? I wanted to talk about all the different um, types of uh, foundations and programs and alliances and fellowships that... uh, someone navigating this world of mental health confusion in either themselves or their friends or family probably have a lot of questions about all the different various types of treatments and um, as far as support groups or therapeutic approaches. We tried to address the voluntary therapeutic approaches today through healthcare most healthcare systems. I've never been to a private intensive outpatient or partial hospitalization. It's always been HMO funded or like, I don't even know what that means. Health, medical. <laughs> I was about to ask you what HMO funded means. Health- <laughs> but, but what you mean is it's like covered okay. by insurance. Yes. It okay. is included in my plan. Okay. Which I specifically looked for behavioral health services. Right. And I I can't even see my therapist once a month. Mm -hmm. And she's getting up there. I swear she's like 67. Yeah, so what? She might die soon? No, just retire. (laughs) I don't even know why she wants to be a therapist. I couldn't imagine. My therapist has told me that she's in it for the long haul, that she's in it for the love of the game. So maybe your 67-year-old therapist is in the same boat. Yeah, there's just so many people out there who need mental health counseling and are not receiving it and are ignorant of the fact that they need any and are arrogant of it and prideful and there's such stigma surrounding it like oh you're crazy oh don't talk to her she's fucking insane or like she's done some crazy shit you don't want to get involved right so one of the purposes of this podcast of course is to reduce the stigma against mental illness and mental health treatment so everything you just said is really important i wanted to ask you though um you mentioned that you wanted to talk about a couple of organizations that are helping promote uh, mental health awareness and mental health recovery were there any that immediately came to mind uh we talk Um, pretty frequently about DBSA, um, Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, but there's many, many other organizations in the United States and around the world that help support those types of communities. There's alliances for survivors of alien abductions. Like, there's a support group for everything. (laughs) You will find it for your specific mental health need. Yeah, um, National Alliance on Mental Illness is a really, really big organization in the US that is is another example of an organization that- NAMI.org, I believe. Yeah, I think that's their website. What's another one? Can we think of another one off the top of our heads? Yes. <laughs> um, there's SAMHSA, the- um, Society of 
alcohol and health and substance abuse <laughs> enthusiasts. Uh, are you talking about S A M? Yeah, Sam Shaw. Yeah, it's S A M H S A. SAMHSA.gov. It stands for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services. And just like Alyssa no. said, she's uh, the website is. No way. It, don't tell me it's down. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm saying that the URL that you said is right. It's S A M H S A. .gov. So if you feel like you might need that resource, that's out there too. We've just named a couple of them. There's countless organizations out there seeking to treat people with mental health I would also problems. encourage people to check out uh, uh, what's the thing where you meet up meetup.com. <laughs> meetup.com. Yeah, check out meetups around you. They have like book clubs or just like um, silver diner enthusiasts meet every once every yeah month. like if there's a local restaurant that people like to meet that's at. what my past counselor would always recommend yeah just to socialize and get out there and meet new people and just get out there get out there get out there because I don't know about anyone else but I'm afraid of catching coronavirus again and I am now agoraphobic <laughs> um, I get it now <laughs> Agoraphobia is the fear of going outside Because of fear of Fear of open places Fear of open places I looked that up since the last time we spoke Because I remember that I couldn't remember the exact uh, Definition off the top of my head But apparently that's what agoraphobia means Agora? Like what base root word is that? Um, agoraphobe, noun, a person with an extreme or irrational fear of entering open or crowded places. Mm -hmm. so, there we go. That's the, that's the definition. What's the root word? Ag <laughs> I don't know what the root word Agora. is. Okay. Also, I was going to ask, have any internet forums that you've visited recently helped? Um, I'm on Reddit a lot. I like the r slash com. Reddit.com. It's a website for, it's just all sorts of different forums and stuff. But um, there's r slash bipolar and then mm. r slash bipolar Reddit. Those are some pretty good communities where people talk about bipolar topics. Um, you know, their struggles, their successes their treatments, whatever. Um, those are pretty good. And of course, online meetings, virtual support groups have been good. Uh, DBSA has been virtual for the last at least one year. Does Bipolar Reddit have two R's or one? I believe it has two R's. Okay. It's the word bipolar and, and then the word Reddit. R-E. D-D-I-T. Yep. Okay, so we've <laughs> talked about some... Uh, we've been talking for a really, really long time, but we've covered a whole lot of subject oh, area. Oh, yeah. Wait. What's Anything your number else? one goal for this autumn winter? I think my number one goal is going to be to get back in shape. I want to start working out again and getting physically healthier. 
There's nothing I hate more than working out when it's freezing out. That's why Pilates is good because like I was saying earlier, you can just do it in your in your house or in your apartment. All you need is a yoga mat. So I think that's probably the next thing that's going to be on my list. <laughs> all I can say, all I can suggest for anyone who is currently suffering while listening to this podcast and needs some help, I would suggest find a psychologytoday.com has uh, all therapists near you for any disorder you have and I would recommend seeing your or seeing your medical doctor who can then refer you to a counselor or therapist um, and they're pretty much treated equal in the um, healthcare space these so, days um, just, just, um, as far as patients go and wait I'm, what I'm, are, what? no i'm recommending that people should probably see a counselor at least once a month therapist once a month i mean either or right but let's just so you're talking about psychologytoday.com which is an online resource where you can if you quickly don't have find health insurance or anything or if you do have health insurance oh. you can search by insurance providers you can search by the types of credentials Nice. Um, it's a really, really good resource if you're trying to find a therapist or a psychiatrist. I found so, my psych- favorite ever one. Me too. I've found all, almost all of my doctors and therapists over the last few years have been from psychology today. And so that's a really, really good resource. So thank you for mentioning that. And then she left me with no reason. Not all therapists are going to be good therapists. It's worth saying. She was saying. so good. It was so traumatic. Did she drop you or retire or what? I think she had some serious medical health issues. That's unfortunate. Maybe something like a hysterectomy or something. Oh, my God. You know, you never know. And you always have to be on the ready to get a new therapist. If you feel you need a therapist, follow their advice. You know, don't be argumentative with them. You know, t- but had, take everything with a grain of salt, sure. I've had bad therapists before. There's bad therapists out there. You you gotta you just gotta find the right one who works for you and who can help it's you meet so your goals. Fucking hopeless for those who have no hope. Yeah, having a bad therapist is not a good situation to be in. And then not. But so if you if being able to afford being, a psychiatrist, if you have, if you have or a sh- the medication, okay. If you have a shitty therapist, consider finding a new one on Psychology Today or elsewhere. Who can probably recommend you to a psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point too. Thank you for that. Um, and that is everything. I think I. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, socialization is super hard during COVID, but I think I got my social outlet done for this week. Thanks, Hunter. <laughs> and I'm audience. so glad I was able to be your social outlet this week. Um, I have so much to give. Such a pleasure having you, and so thank you for coming back. So much insight, wisdom, and I've been told I'm an enigma. An enigma? Yeah. Why are you an enigma? You'll never know. That's why I'm an enigma. You're so hard to solve. A puzzle. 
Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, really appreciate it. My name is Hunter Keegan. I was joined by Alyssa Taylor for the second time. So, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming back on. Loved having you. Um, I am on Twitter at slash Alyssa T T E E, and you can find me Facebook instagram what what the fuck ever and <laughs> he has a website and a book yeah um the website is bipolarrecorder.com for the podcast my personal portfolio of work is hhkeegan.com i'm on twitter at hhkeegan the podcast is on twitter at bipolar recorder my book is called anywhere my brain. you get your podcast yeah bipolar recorder is available on all major podcast streaming platforms and my book my memoir that came out about a year ago is titled my brain is trying to kill me and it's available on amazon it's it's a real-time experiential recording of what it was like to go through manic depression in college uh, my book yeah yeah my book goes pretty hard thank you for that yeah it's been described as very raw a lot of people have said that it's very raw very like vulnerable is another word that comes up a lot when people have reviewed it but um yeah so it's my brain is trying to kill me um and it's it's out there all felt if We have bipolar or depression at one point or another. And with that, have an excellent holiday weekend. Thank you. This won't be going up until after the holiday weekend. But wherever you are in the world, we hope you're having a great day. And I hear no more white after Labor Day, right? No white after Labor Day, but it's not Labor Day. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I got it backwards. No white after... It's Indigenous People's Day. What? Is the one this weekend. Oh. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. This is definitely the longest episode we've recorded so far, and I hope it's the first of many more to come. My name is Hunter Keegan. This was Bipolar Recorder. As we were saying at the end of the episode, you can find Bipolar Recorder on Twitter, at Bipolar Recorder, and you can find me on Twitter, at H.H. Keegan. You can also check out BipolarRecorder.com or my personal site, HHKeegan.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bipolar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com to support via PayPal. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.